friends, you may be seated, and children, you are dismissed to Grow Zone. So, Elaine, as you were praying, I thought I got this word that the keys are in the closet, our prayer closet. The keys are in the closet, and keys are useful for unlocking, for locking, and for lighting fires. We, we lock, the keys are useful for locking the door to, to provide protection for our families. Pray. The keys are useful for opening doors of opportunity. That there's nothing that happens moving forward in the kingdom of God without prayer. And keys are useful for starting fires. I use one to start my truck every morning. And it lights a fire in that engine and gets it moving. Keys start fires. We want to see revival burn in this region. We want to see the kingdom of God expand in this region. The keys are in the closet. We got to get on our knees and get before the Lord. Worship to the one who's worthy. We seek his face. And he answers. And he moves in mighty ways. I've been praying for us. One of my prayers during this 21 days of prayer is, is I've been praying for you. I mean, I, I love those daily texts. I certainly pray those every day as well. But as I pray, I pray for you and your prayers. And my, my prayer is really that God's blessing would be on your home and your marriage, your family, that, uh, that your family would know the blessing of God. And um, so that God would be answering your prayers during this 21 days of prayer. And I'm fully expecting breakthrough fully expecting a baptism tank on July 21st to be filled, not just with water, but with people. So excited about that. Um, <clears throat> happy Father's Day, guys. Also, just a Father's Day note, today we have a little chocolate for the guys, and uh, it's for any man. You have a piece of chocolate. We give the ladies chocolate for Mother's Day. We give the guys chocolate. Only today we're getting Mr. Good Bars. Do you get it? Okay, there we go. I just, I was, we, were trying to, we were trying to think of a candy that had like, you know, Mr., you know, was kind of a guy candy, and Mr. Goodbar was the best thing we could come up with. So you get chocolate with peanuts in it. How's that? But uh, at the end of the service, every, every guy can have a Mr. Goodbar on your way out, or take two. They're small. Bite size. This morning, I'm also going to make a little change. We've been doing our study in Romans for a little while, but I feel like I need to just take a, a day to do something different. And not just because it's Father's Day, but more because this last week, I was made aware of, of three people in our church that um, uh, have received significant awards in their work life, in their workplace. And... I just feel like the Lord has a word for us as a church with that, and that is that um, you have been faithful, New River Church, and you've been serving, and you've been working, and you've been honoring Jesus in your work, and the time is now, the season is now for you to be awarded for that, and that there's two, reason why, two reasons why God awards his people for their work. The first is simply because he's a good father and he loves to award you. Like any good dad, he just thinks it's great. He, he, he's into you and he loves it when you get an award. 
But the second reason is that every promotion that you receive is an expands your sphere of influence. That, that, that God allows you to be promoted, not just so that you can have a pay raise or, or a fancier title, although certainly those are nice benefits. But, but God's motive is that every advancement that you make in your career is an expanded sphere of influence. And so... Be on the lookout in New River Church, because I believe that these first three are just the first three and that there's more. And um, I'm excited to see that. So I felt like we got to just give a word this morning about that just to encourage you. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. going to look at a couple of scriptures and then give some examples, and I'll tell you who those three people are when we get to the end. So hang on. But um, I just want to, I, I think you'll be encouraged today. And then also, too, I want to, before I forget, I want to say thank you to Paul Rosa and to Keith Press for our, our lights. You might notice that our lights are actually working. Some of you probably probably never noticed that before. But uh, they're actually working. We spent all day on Thursday to figure out the wiring and so forth of these things. And so now the prayer request is for money to pay for the light bill because... These bad boys draw a lot of juice. But doesn't it look great? Don't I look nice and bright now? I look even whiter, I'm sorry. So, so this morning, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'll be there in, in a second. Have you ever received a compliment from somebody that was sort of a backhanded compliment? And you think, I think it was meant to be nice, but it didn't quite come out that way. Like somebody says, man, you run fast for a fat guy. I think, well, I think that was meant to be nice. Or, or, hey, you don't look bad for your age. Thank you. I think that's good. My wife and I were just, we were just saying this a couple of weeks ago. We were saying, oh, we've now hit that age where we look good for our age. That's kind of a weird feeling. When I was 20, nobody said, you look good for 20. But now that I'm 53, I get, hey, you look good for 53. I'm like, hey, thank you. I guess it's sort of a compliment. I had to wait this long to start getting it, but it's nice. But you know what I mean? You've gotten those. I feel like that whenever I read 1 Corinthians, these passages from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Here's, here's what I mean. Let's read it. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. You see what I mean? I think that's a compliment, but you see what he's calling you? <laughs> the weak ones, the foolish ones, the despised ones, the things that are not. Who are those? That's us. So somewhere in here is a nice compliment, but it's sort of funny like that. See, the message is this. God's not looking for Superman. 
He's looking for a man, a woman, just like you. You got baggage. You got issues. Sure, we all do. You got weaknesses. Mm-hmm. But what you have is this. You have a desire to obey Jesus. You have a hunger to see his name glorified. You desire to follow his lead, to follow his promptings. That's what he's looking for. God doesn't need you to be great in order for you to be great. Because you don't need a lot because a little is much when God is in it. And you give your little to him and you see what he does with it. It's remarkable. And the message that I have for you this morning is simply this. Just keep doing that thing you're doing. You know that thing you do? Keep doing that thing you do. Stay faithful at it. Stay true. Stay consistent. Give it to Jesus each and every day. He's doing something with it. He's using it. Even though you don't see it being used, even though you may not see the results of it yet, stick with it. Be faithful because God's doing something. That thing you do is more influential and more powerful than you realize. I'm going to give us a couple of examples from Scripture. John chapter 4. The story in John chapter 4, Jesus is hot and he's thirsty. And he stops by a well in the little town called Sychar, which is in the region called Samaria. And it's noon, the Bible tells us. And Jesus stops there and he asks a lady to get him a glass of water out of the well. Now, I think that's really interesting because Jesus could walk on water. So the one who could walk on water could certainly get his own water out of the well, don't you think? And yet he submitted himself to this woman and asked her for a drink of water. I think that's fascinating because one of the things that Jesus teaches you and me is the value of being connected to other people. If there was ever anybody who walked this planet who could, say, who could say, it's just me and God against the world, that would be Jesus. Jesus truly did not need anyone. He could, he could make his own bread out of nothing. He can walk on water. He can raise the dead. Do you agree? And yet Jesus repeatedly submitted himself to other people. He stayed connected to other people. He teaches you and me that incredible value. You know, I wonder sometimes, are we really hurting ourselves? I mean, hey, I love my smartphone, but are we hurting ourselves maybe with our technology these days? Because it used to be, I remember, I remember that if I needed to make a phone call and I didn't have any change, I'd actually have to ask a stranger for a quarter. Anybody ever done that? Had to do that a few times. Now, just there it is. I remember when I got lost, I'd have to stop at the gas station and ask for directions. Now, it's right there in my hand. You see, what it, you see we've lost the ability to just be connected. I, I, I believe that there's actually value, that it's good for your soul and my soul to actually have a conversation with somebody at the grocery store checkout line. Whether it's just talking about the weather or the Red Sox, doesn't matter. doesn't have to be anything deep. But you're just connecting with another human being face-to-face -face, as opposed to through an electronic device. Does this make sense? 
Jesus teaches us that value. Jesus didn't need that woman to get water out of the well, but he chose instead to say, hey, can I have a glass of water? And she gets him this cup of water, and we know the story. You read through the rest of John chapter 4, this woman's life is forever changed. Not only that, she runs into town, and she starts telling all of her friends. And then her friends come back, and Jesus talks to them. And now the entire town gets saved. Here's what the next verse says. It says that those people came from that town, and they believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And it goes on to say, and because of his words, many more became believers. Did you catch that? Don't miss the significance of that. It started as asking for a drink of water. And that led to a woman's life being forever changed, which led to an entire village being forever changed. Follow that? But listen, that's not just where that glass of water ended. Oh, that glass of water was just getting started. Because if you go about two and a half years later... And you come into Acts chapter 8. And if you want to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 8, you discover that these these followers of Christ, they're in Jerusalem, and they begin to get persecuted for their faith. I'm convinced that when the first followers of Jesus, you know, it all, basically it started in Jerusalem, this, this movement called Christianity. It began there. And I'm convinced that if it hadn't have been for persecution, they'd still be there. They were all just holding hands, singing kumbaya, having a great old time together. And then the heat got turned up. They started getting thrown in jail. They started getting oppressed, beat up, killed. And as a result, they scattered. Now, what the devil intended for harm, God actually used for good. And I kind of think the devil overplayed his hand because the devil tried to squash this movement called Christianity. And what he did instead was he scattered it because Acts chapter 8, verse 4, you see what it tells you? It says, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Oh, now the devil has a headache. Because what was contained in Jerusalem has now become a wildfire burning throughout the entire Roman Empire. I think that was a bad day for the devil. You come to, Rome, you come to Acts chapter 8 and you come to the next verse, verse 5. And we read this about Philip. So Philip went down to a city in... Look at that. Huh. You mean the same place? Same place. Two, two and a half years earlier... Jesus asked a lady for a glass of water. And now, two and a half years later, Philip is running for his life. Remember, he's fleeing from persecution. It's not like God said, Philip, go to Samaria. He's just trying to get out of Dodge. And it says this, he went to a city in Samaria, and he proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and they saw the signs that he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many were healed. Many were saved. Many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. It started as a little glass of water, led to a woman being changed, led to her village being changed. Give it about two and a half years, 
and now a wildfire burning throughout the entire region of Samaria. Signs, wonders, miracles, deliverances. And not only that, you read the rest of, of Acts chapter 8 and you discover, I mean, word was spreading. Like, it didn't just stay contained in Samaria. It started to burn from there. But I propose to you that all had its beginnings in a little humble request for a glass of water by a well on a hot day. You move your Bible up a couple of pages and you go to Acts chapter 13. And here's another example. Five guys having a prayer meeting. The Bible gives us their names. Otherwise, we wouldn't really know their names. But you've got... Uh, you got this, well, actually, I, I can't even remember their names. That's how insignificant their names are. But you go, Acts 13, let me just mention their names because we can. So Simeon, you have Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manaean, and Saul. Five guys praying. Now, I don't know if their prayer meeting worked like our prayer meetings, Maybe everybody was invited, and these were the only five that came. Maybe. People didn't laugh at that the first service either. I really don't mean it to sound harsh, but it kind of is true, isn't it? But you got five guys. They're praying, maybe a little bit of music. Somewhere in the process of the prayer meeting, the Holy Spirit says, Hey, I'd like you to set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Two verses later, Barnabas and Saul go out, and they do what the Holy Spirit tells them to do, and they start going. Now, you might know who Saul was, but Saul, you see, that was his Hebrew name. Because his ministry was mostly to Gentiles, he changed his name slightly so that it had more of a Greek sound. He changed it to the name Paul. This Saul became the Apostle Paul. Maybe you heard of him, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Ringing any bells? The greatest missionary in the history of the church. That guy, the Apostle Paul. Do you see where he began? A humble little prayer meeting. Five guys. Five guys praying. The Apostle Paul. Listen, I used to, let me just personal testimony, I used to feel bad when we'd have a prayer meeting and not many people would show up. Can I, can I be honest with you? I don't feel that way anymore. I feel bad for the people that don't come because I feel like, man, you really missed out. But I don't feel bad that there wasn't, that it was a low crowd or something like that. Because you know why? Because the crowd size, that's for our benefit. Having a thousand people show up for prayer, that feels good for me and for the people that show up. But you understand, God doesn't need a 1,000 people to show up for prayer. You get that, right? He's just looking for one obedient person who's going to get on their knees and trust him for something. You follow that? See, he doesn't need a 1,000 people, just one. And so I pray because I'm committed to prayer, because I believe that it works, because my father calls me to it, because it's a privilege to pray, because he's called me a priest, called you a priest. Part of the job we have as a priest is to actually intercede for our world before the very throne room of heaven. I mean, come on, it's an awesome privilege. That's why I pray. Having a thousand people, that's like a bonus. Haven't yet experienced that, but I'm sure someday we will.
Do you follow that? Listen, speaking of prayer, I also believe this with all my heart about prayer. That every person who is saved has had somebody pray for them. I can't find a Bible verse to prove that. I really can't. It's just sort of a personal opinion. But I happen to think that someday when you get to heaven, you get to heaven and you'll start doing the math and you'll discover that every single person in heaven had somebody praying for them. Maybe somebody they didn't even know was praying for them. Might have been a co-worker or some distant relative or whatever, great-grandma, who knows, but that person was praying. They, you're going to discover, wow, those people were praying for me, and I'm here as an answer to their prayers? Yes. And we're here as an answer to the prayers of our previous generation. You and I get to live the benefit of their prayers. Do you understand? We are living out the answer to what they prayed for. I remember 22 years ago, 22 years ago when Karis and I first came here to start New River Church, I got to go to a prayer meeting at the Church of the Living God with a bunch of pastors, and there was an old guy there, and I'm pretty sure he's with the Lord now. But he had been serving in this area for 60 years at that point, faithfully praying and fasting in this area. And I remember him laying his hands on me, asking God's blessing on this ministry. You're here because that guy prayed. And I remember him saying, I, a herd of wild elephants couldn't get me out of New England right now. I believe that God's going to do something in this area. You understand, we're living the benefit of his prayers and prayers just like it, which then begs the question, what are we praying for in the next generation coming behind us? If we benefit from the previous generation's prayers, what is the next generation going to receive as a result of your prayers? My friend, that right there is why I care so deeply about who my children marry. Because who my kids marry determines how my grandkids are raised. And my grandkids are going to change the world. I truly believe that. That the things I'm fighting for at this very moment... The things I'm fighting for in prayer, in miracles, like I believe with all my heart that if I don't get to actually lay my hands on a dead body and see it come back to life again, if I don't have the privilege of seeing a miracle like that, my grandkids will, that I'm actually contending for that miracle. And if I don't get to see it, they will. I'm investing you see what I mean? That's what an inheritance is. The whole idea of an inheritance is that my kids start where I left off. And then they go further than I could. Prayer. That being said, let me say this, dads. I got a word for you, dads. Ouch. So I got a word for you, dads. Listen, dads. You know that thing you do? That thing you do is vital. That thing you do is changing the world. Keep at it. Be faithful, men. Don't give up at what you're doing. Stay true. Stay the course. Don't check out. 
Stay engaged in your families. Stay engaged in your homes. Don't check out, guys. Stay in there. Stay in there. Listen, the word father in Hebrew, in the, in the Bible, the word father is the word ab. We would say ab, but that's really not what it is, you understand. We're talking ancient Hebrew. Ab. Ab means father. It's the prefix of the name of a man that we all know and love, Abraham. Abraham, the name Abraham means father of many, if you're familiar with that. So the A-B in Abraham is the prefix that actually means father. That's the father part of his name. Follow that. Ab is made up of two Hebrew letters. Now, Hebrew letters work a lot like Mandarin work. Because you, you know Mandarin, Chinese lettering, you know it's not exactly like our alphabet, A, B, C, D, E. Each, each Mandarin is actually a character, and it's a picture. And ancient Hebrew was the same way. And so the, the Aleph, so Ab, is, is spelled with these two Hebrew characters, Aleph and Bet. And the Aleph is a symbol, a picture of an ox. It's symbolic of a man's strength, of his power. Listen, ladies, I know some of you might not like this. I don't, it doesn't really matter. But from the beginning of time, men have been all about strength and power. It's not a new thing. It's how God wired us. Listen, ladies, you look at yourself in the mirror in the morning and you check out your hair. We look at ourselves in the mirror in the morning and flex. I get out of the shower every day. It's a gun show. Okay, that's just well, that's how it is. You want, you want to see, a, you want to make it, my wife loves it too, by the way, I just got to say, she kind of likes it. At least that's what she says, which is a good answer, honey, good answer. That's what you do, even if, yep, even if it's a lie, I still like it, keep telling it. So I know I'm the strongest man in the world. We love strength. It's what men do. You want to you wanna make a guy feel good? Oh, man, you just tell him how strong he is. We like that. It's kind of the key to our heart. You see little boys? I was just watching this morning, a little Harvey William after the first service. He's doing nosedives off the altar here on the floor. And I thought, like, that's the difference between a boy and a girl. Boys actually fall on purpose. Like, it's kind of funny. Like, yeah, he thought it was a great time. He's banging his head on the concrete floor. Perfect. I don't know why guys think that's cool, but we do. So, Aleph is a picture of an ox, and strength is what, it, it's a picture of a man's strength and his power. The bait in the, in the word ab is a picture of a house. And so, father means he's the strength of his house. The word ab, the word ab is also translated in the Bible as originator, head. Originator or head or foundation. Guys, foundations aren't that sexy, but they've got to be strong. There's one thing about a foundation. It can't move. Foundations have to be stable. They've got to be steady. They've got to stay the course. If a foundation checks out, that household's in trouble. Listen, it's one of the terrible things that's happened in the women's liberation movement. Because, they've, because in trying to praise and trying to elevate the strength of women, we've diminished the strength of men. 
and now our household's foundations are shaken. And is it any wonder that our kids now more than ever are stressed out, anxious? You've ripped the foundation out. You can't do that. But women, listen. Mother in the Bible is the word am. We would say am, but again, it's not am. Am. And the word am is spelled with two Hebrew characters. Aleph, which is also the picture of an ox. So do you see, ladies, in talking about the strength of a man, the Bible doesn't diminish the strength of a woman. Listen, we're differently strong. And that's the point. See, our culture thinks that in order for you to be equal, you have to be the same. That's a lie. You can be different and equal. Men and women are differently strong. So a woman, mother, Aleph, is an ox. Her strength, the M, or it's not the M, you understand, but the other letter in Hebrew is the Mem. And it's a picture of waters or the womb because water is life-giving. And of course, in the childbirth process, often there's an expulsion of water but more the concept of life-giving. And so, do you see the beauty of God's design? The mother gives life. The father protects it. You see, you see women, men are protectors, not predators. We're called to serve. We're called to lay down our lives. We're called to die. Men, men... Your families need to know there's one man on this planet who will take a bullet for him, and it's you. You're the one. But if you check out, if you waffle, it makes that home unstable. Stay the course. Stay put, guys. Be the foundation and the strength that God has called you and designed you to be. Listen, let me encourage you guys. You know, I know, guys, that you're... Actually, I, I wrote this. I want to read this because I, I think it's better the way that I wrote it. But dads, you might not think that you make a difference, but you do. You coaching your kids' soccer team, that's huge. You, you serving your scout pack, that's huge. You showing up for their concert, that's huge. You, you helping your kid with their homework, it's huge. You leading your family in prayer at dinner, that's huge. In fact, you insisting that your family has dinner together with the TV off, that's huge. Dads, that's your job. Why don't you insist it? Why don't you suggest on it and make sure it happens in your home? Our family's going to have dinner. Even if it's five minutes, we're going to sit down, shut that thing off, and we're going to spend time as a family right around this table, have a few, have a hot dog together or whatever it is, but that's what we're going to do. And you're going to say grace Stick with that. It's huge. You putting your kids to bed, that's huge. Saying their prayers and giving them their little Bible verses and telling them their stories before they go to sleep at night, like that's huge. Huge. Guys, to be a good foundation, you don't need to be fancy. You just need to be consistent. Isn't that the quality you want in a foundation? consistent, not wishy-washy. 
Your family needs to know they've got a foundation under them. Dads, you're a success because you keep showing up. That's why you're successful. Keep doing that thing you do. Sure, your kids might think you're goofy. And they'll probably be really embarrassed by your cargo shorts and your dad socks. I love this picture, by the way. Isn't that great? I love that guy. He's like got the dad moves and the socks. and He's just perfect. He's probably just... You know what I think is funny is all the dads are looking at this saying, oh, I'm glad that's not me. And all the kids are going, wow, that's my dad. It's so funny how the change of perspective. <laughs> Just, I thought that picture was classic right there. But deep down inside, you know, friends, they might mock you and they might groan and moan. But let me tell you something. Deep down inside, you're making them feel safe. And God and dads, your strength, your strength probably infuriates your kids sometimes. It probably does. Because sometimes, dads, you're like a concrete wall in your home. And when your kid's rebellious and they start pounding their head against you and they want you to be just as rebellious as they are, and when you refuse to be rebellious, when you're actually faithful to your home, though your kid doesn't want you to be faithful to the home, your kid doesn't want you to be faithful to them, you're like a concrete wall. And they don't like it and they hate it and they might rail against you. But, dad, you keep up the good work. Because they need the wall. They need the foundation. It's not sexy work, man. I'm telling you. It is not fun to be a good dad. It has its moments, but whew, there's a lot of times where it's just sheer hard work. And I'm taking the bullet for my family. Sometimes I'm taking it from my family. But I'm going to be strong. Listen, stay faithful. You're like the anchor and, you know, the tide pulls against the anchor, doesn't it? It's constantly tugging against the anchor. But you understand that an anchor is only good when it stays put. If the anchor gave way, that boat's just going crazy. Your family will flounder if you stop being faithful. So be faithful, guys. You're doing awesome. Just keep doing that thing you're doing. That's the message. I hope you hear that. I'm trying to encourage you. Just keep doing the thing you're doing. Because you're doing more than you realize. I want to just highlight three people in our church who are doing their thing. And their thing is making a difference. And uh, just by way of example, the, the first one is Harless Flores. You, you know our, one of our elders, Harless Harless is, uh, like that picture, Harless? I know you had a beard a few months ago. Look at that. <laughs> um, but, you know, Harless retired last year from the Hartford Fire Department, his long career there. And then uh, six, seven months or so ago, started working at a special school for kids that have a lot of discipline problems, a lot of problems. And Harless basically is kind of the, kind of the bouncer, I guess, at the school. He's sort of there to, you know, to keep the kid. He's not really one of the teachers. He's one of the staff. He's there to help keep the kids under control. And I know on a daily basis, he's praying for those kids. And uh, recently was nominated staff, staff member of the month 
which is cool after a few months of being there. Did I say year? You know, I stretched it a little bit, Harless. We're just, I'm proud of you. It's okay. What can I say? He's like staff member of the decade. It's, uh, no, it's just been a month. But the cool thing is a couple uh, recently he got into some trouble because a little kid, a little eight-year-old kid, he gave this kid some advice, advice that potentially saved this kid's life, literally. He can give you the details if you want to talk to him one-on-one. But literally saved this kid with this advice. Of course, he got in trouble for it because the bureaucrat said he's not allowed to do that. So he crossed some kind of line, but Harless didn't know it. It wasn't like he was trying to cross any lines. You get that? He's just like, all he's doing is doing his thing. Here's a kid. The kid needs some good fatherly advice. Harless gives it to him, probably saves the kid's life, and he got in trouble for it. Oh, well. The last day of school, last day of school, this kid comes up and gives him a big hug and thanks him. I'm going to do what you told me to do, Mr. Harless. Right? You go, you think, is that a big deal? No, just keep doing that thing you're doing, Harless. That little thing you're doing where you just love these kids and you just be yourself. Changing lives, saving lives every day. Susie Williams. Susie Williams is a guidance counselor in a public school system in this area. Susie was recently chosen as teacher of the year in her whole school district. But Susie's not a teacher, you know. She's a counselor. So she doesn't even qualify, actually, to go to the next level to the state to be teacher of the year. But that tells you the influence that she's having. All of the other employees in that school district said, no, we still want her to be teacher of the year. They, they elected her. They chose her as that. And her witness and her testimony in that school is powerful. Listen, if you want to know how to be a vibrant witness and how to be bold in your faith for Jesus in a, in a secular public kind of setting, Susie could certainly offer you some tips. She's doing a fantastic job. She pulls nothing back, hides nothing in terms of her faith in that school system, so much so that she has to give a speech in a couple of months, an acceptance speech for the big award, and she's wrestling with, okay, how do I present the gospel in my speech? But you want to know what's, what's interesting is this. If Susie didn't present the gospel in her speech, they would think that was weird because that's the kind of reputation that she has. You understand? It's not about, oh, how can I suddenly work this in last minute? It's, you follow that? It's, it's who she is. It's how she carries herself in that public school. That's what's making a difference every single day. You say, is that a big deal? Oh, that's a really big deal. How about, how about our own Matt Lyles? You know, Matt, Matt recently, he was in the first service. Matt got... Yeah, Matt was just recently nominated, uh, chosen as the employee of the year for the Hartford Hospital System. 10,000 employees. And they chose Matt. Our Matt. I'm kind of proud. Our Matt. Out of 10,000 employees. And he's the employee of the year. He got a big award thing, and they had to bring him in front of all the mucky mucks and had to do a big thing, and it was a big deal. But you know what's interesting? Matt's not a doctor, Matt's not a nurse, Matt's not in management, Matt's a cook in the kitchen. You know what Matt does? Every morning he makes eggs. He literally works the egg station. 
every morning. Makes people's omelets. He makes a good omelet. I've had his eggs. They're good. But you know, it's not the eggs. Jesus is standing there making eggs. It's not Matt. It's Jesus. Because those people come through Matt's line. You know what he does? How you doing? He knows their names. He knows their spouse's names, their kids' names. How's so-and-so? I'm praying for that person, praying for that. How's your job? How's this? How's that? He's taking an interest. Every single person that stands in front of him while he's making their omelet, he's ministering to them. Every single person. You say, if you think it's just about the eggs, you're mistaken. Do Do you get it? That thing you do. What's your thing? You making eggs? You making coffee? You, you, you typing papers? You, you, you follow this? See, it starts with a little glass of water. Jesus, little glass of water, changes a village. Philip runs for his life. Samaria is completely changed. You follow it? Five guys having a prayer meeting. The Apostle Paul. Harless keeps a little kid out of, out of, from getting killed, changes a life. Susie, just faithful in her school, telling people about Jesus every day. Bang. Matt, making eggs, Jesus making What's your thing? What's your thing? Dad, you're faithful. You haven't checked out of your family. You're still true to your kids. You haven't left them. That's, that thing you do, like that is a powerful thing. Keep doing that thing because Jesus is using it. It's more powerful than you realize. Let me say it again. You don't have to be great to be great. We tend to have this, we believe this little lie that says I have to be Mother Teresa in order to make a difference in the world. No, you don't. Just keep doing your thing. You just stay at that. It's kind of like one of those splash things in the park You know, the water park, I love that. It's probably one of my favorite things in the water park. You stand there kind of shivering in the breeze, waiting for the bucket to fill up and spill over, and it's a lot of fun, and everybody gets wet. But, you know, you think it was that last drop that made the bucket spill, but really it wasn't. It was all of the drops that made the bucket spill. We tend to emphasize that last drop because we think that's cool, but really the last drop doesn't get the credit. It's all of them together. You following that? Your thing is just the drop. It's the drop in the bucket. And my thing is the drop in the bucket. But you put it all together, and, and, and we're, we're getting wet. We're impacting. We're changing a generation when you put it all together. By itself, maybe not much, but put it all together. Wow. Be faithful at it. Stick with it, guys. Stick with it. Just just quick word of advice as we wrap up. And it's just what not what to do and what not to do. Real quick, what to do is this. You know that thing you do? I want to encourage you this morning to dedicate it to Jesus. Maybe you didn't really think of it this way before. Start doing it for Jesus. Start thinking, okay, this is not me doing it. This is actually Jesus doing this thing. Jesus is using me to do this thing. So dedicate it, give your thing to him. And go with purpose as you do that. Does that make sense? That's the first thing. And then what not to do. What not to do is this. Don't criticize 
other people's things. See, we tend to get so fired up about our stuff, and then we think that our stuff is the only thing. And then we start criticizing what somebody else is doing. And we say, well, why isn't everybody doing what I'm doing? Because they're not supposed to. No, let's learn to honor. We honor each other. We, I honor that, what God's doing there. I honor what God's doing here. I honor what God's doing there. and Because I, I know that it all goes together. And, and it honors Jesus. And so I, I want to not criticize. Resist the temptation to criticize what other people are doing. And then the last thing, what not to do, is don't expect immediate results. Don't. That's, that's a, uh, that's a, I mean, it's nice when, you know, you do one thing and that's great. We all love that, but you understand that's not typically the way that it works. That's not really what this message is about. This message is about how one glass of water changes an entire region. And that takes time. And this message is about how one dad changes his family forever just because he's consistent, just because he's true, not doing anything sexy. He's just being faithful. That's what this message is about. So don't expect immediate results. Stay true. Stay true. Stay put. Father, I pray your blessing on my friends today. I pray your blessing on my, on, 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 on our, my men today, God. Lord, you have blessed New River Church with some of the most powerful and gifted men that I've ever seen. I thank you for these men. These are men, these are good men. They're honorable men. These are faithful men. These are men that would die for their families if they were called to. These are, these, are, these are men of honor. I thank you, Lord, for each one. Bless them today, God. And Lord, I thank you for, uh, thank you for Harless, Susie, for Matt, just for what you've done, for you've, you've elevated them, Lord. But I also thank you, Lord, that they're just the first of many. And Lord, there are more to come that you're putting our people in key positions throughout the region. Lord, I thank you for that. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you as we close here in singing to come to the altar with me. If you have any need, our prayer team would love to pray with you. Um, whatever the need is. There's nothing too small and nothing too big. Um, I just happen to believe that happen to believe that there's in the power of prayer that God has something for you right here if you're willing to step out of your seat and receive prayer so would you stand and let's sing and as we sing please feel free to join us at this altar if you'd like